Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. I want to talk about family law, and I know it affects so many people around the country. Actually, I went through it myself for four and a half years, so I know exactly what the system can be like and how difficult it can be for somebody. But Lee Bradshaw's world collapsed when his 13-year 13 13-year relationship ended suddenly, and his time with his infant daughter was cut to four hours a week. He also found out very quickly, he says, that unmarried fathers have no rights, absolutely no rights. And we talked about this yesterday with the Labour Party, about extending the rights of unmarried couples to those who are just partners for a long term, for example, who might have kids, they said to have the same rights as married people. Now, I know it's very complicated, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But firstly, I want to go to Lee. Uh, Lee, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much uh, for uh, giving me this opportunity. Very appreciative. Well, look, Lee, this this comes from the fact that there's a documentary at the moment. It's called Fatherly. And congratulations, by the way, on winning the Royal Television Society Award. And also it's also, also in there for the New York City Independent Film Festival. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. But I suppose it's not really a congratulations because it's based on your story and your story is not something we should really be congratulating anybody on because of what you went through. So just let's take us back to the start. You know, your relationship broke down after 13 years. You had a, a young daughter at the time. And that in itself, when that relationship, because I've been in that situation, when your yeah. relationship breaks down in that situation, you're thinking ahead and you're saying, what's going to happen now? What was that time like? Uh, well, firstly, before I do, I just want to thank Karen Pritzel, who obviously just put that documentary together, because without her, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So I just want to very quickly just recognize Karen's incredible work. But let's go through, I guess, for anybody that's out there hurting, fathers, unmarried fathers, parents going through this, have a massive, massive uh, breakdown uh, to deal with. Number one, it's it's obviously the relationship. Number two, it's going through the process of their child. Number three, it's having to find somewhere to live again. There is a huge amount of trauma for anybody going through this, and it's just something that we don't talk about enough in the country because really the aftermath or the journey that you are now sort of positioned in to moving forward is incredibly difficult. I suppose navigating your way through family law is very, yeah. di- is very difficult. Now, obviously, in your situation, you went from having living with your daughter and being in a, a family unit, so to speak, to suddenly somebody saying, well, you can see her for four hours a week and finding somewhere else to live for yourself and then contacting a solicitor, I'm assuming, to get a, to get a solicitor involved or whatever you had to do to go through the family law process. So, but first, <laughs> let's, let's talk about, you know, that idea of losing time and that relationship with your daughter. That must have been, that must yeah. have broke your heart. It, it, it really did. You know, we were four years in the planning of having our, our our daughter and then suddenly like that 16 months building that relationship seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I mean, we had the, you know, breakfast, we'd be singing, recording. I always documented myself and my daughter regardless. So it was something that I was just very proud of having having my child. And then suddenly when a court comes in, I remember the, 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 you know, the judge actually said, you know, it's a bit premature. I just spent 16 months building that relationship. I was the first skin on skin with my daughter uh, because of a breakdown. And then suddenly a, 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 a judge steps in or a court, a, a, an outdated law steps in and says, hang on a second, you know, when you're, I lost 12 to 14 weeks in, in that breakdown. So suddenly it feels like your lifeline. It's almost like I've explained it many times. It's when it happened so quickly and you, you are not in control of the situation, it's like 
time stops. It's like mm-hmm. your breath is lost. It's like a plug of your life support has been unplugged because you're not prepared for what's about to happen or the next step. All you've known, it's like a shutter dropping really fast and separating you. Well, you've no experience it's, of it. Yeah, I mean, no, most of the things we experience in our life, we may have had before and we kind of learn to deal with them. Um, but something like this, and I know because, again, after 25-year marriage, I went through a divorce. You're not experienced of that. You don't know what to expect. And you're right, you're not in control of it. Somebody else is. Absolutely. Uh, to be told that it's too premature to suddenly now have an active... Uh, uh, somebody in an active role or let's say a law uh, or a legislation that is now speaking on behalf of you and your child when they don't really know the connection or the bond you have uh, is very difficult and going into court we're told not to behave a certain way not to talk a certain way and it's very difficult every parent in this country has a different emotional experience or story or connection it's very very hard because at that time your mental health what you, I guess everything you go through the, the, the pure I guess the sheer uh, panic and fright that you go through and that kick in the guts of suddenly not seeing your child sends you into an emotional roller coaster because it's like you just, your body shuts down. It, I, I can't explain the feeling, but it's the worst feeling in the world. It really is. I mean, and of course, with family law, we can't talk about the contents of the court or the details of the court because family law is in camera, of course. So you can't. So it's very difficult for them to go public and talk about the aspects of family law. But I suppose we can talk about it in a general terms that when it comes to that situation, you know, people who normally may get on or may have some sort of amicable breakup and can deal with things themselves, once you get into the legal system, it's almost like it, it, it intentionally turns people against each other. Yeah, because I guess what happens there is emotions get involved. That's the problem. You know, when we are when we are suddenly slung into uh, a position, we are cornered like this. I guess the body starts to think differently or the mind. So it's it's almost like a survival mode. And that survival mode, we may punch wrong. We may say things that are wrong. And that's the problem where nobody's guided through how to act, behave through this. Uh, for me, um, you know, it, 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 you know, it actually sucked the life out of me. It brought me to my knees, mm-hmm. my work, mental state, mm-hmm. to the point, genuinely, when I look at 10 months and how much I've grown or changed, I, I shouldn't be here this year because that's the depths of how low that by this court system, uh, it just, it, 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 it really just knocks the wind out of you to the point where you feel there's really, I've uh, been there. No, it, I've been you know, there. It, it's a very dark, dark world to be catapulted into. And the support systems are not there. It's a very cold cut case sort of scenario. Uh, some of my cases were done within three to four minutes flat. Uh, that's a very short amount of time to take on any parent that's going through what they're going through and say it's adjourned for six more months. That's where the system is wrong. But not only that, you go to all the fear as well. Like when you get into, as you just said there at the start, we have absolutely no right. It's down to the point of, my name is on my daughter's uh, birth cert, but I have no legal rights. And here's a really scary part about it is this is the bit, the fear, I guess, that I probably went through, knowing that without my rights, if, let's say, my daughter's mum decided to marry again and she has a two-year relationship of living with one another, that new parent or that new p- person that comes into like can adopt my child without my uh, agreement because I am only I'm not a recognised parent so therefore I have no legal rights that's how crazy this you're, you're only is. a name on a birth cert 
That's it. And it actually carries absolutely no weight. So my daughter's voice is being stolen. What she feels even today, nearly four, of, how, of what she thinks and believes is gone. And right now, that if mum did decide, and this isn't, by the way, my, my thing isn't about mum or it's not about attack. Far from. It's about the love between a parent and a child. And if we remove all the anger and all the other arguments around it, when we focus really what the, the principle here is, it's about that bond and that love. And that bond and that love can be separated right now if mum decided that she wanted to marry again or have a partner. And that then new father or new, let's say, new husband partner, or partner yeah. can adopt my child without my saying. And that's where it gets really scary. And this is what we need to talk about. And you know about. what? You, you saying that today and I know there's people around the country going, I didn't know that was true. People find that hard to actually believe that some other man you know, random man can, and, and, and I'm not judging people for this, right? Because people obviously meet new people all the time in their lives, right? But somebody can come along and adopt your daughter with the best intentions of the world, do, adopt Absolutely. your daughter without your permission. Yeah, that's the scary part. And that's why when we were researching in the documentary, I really it was like in a bit of, um, it was just like a head, uh, you know, it was just, I couldn't believe that every time I kept opening up a can, it was new worms, new worms, new worms. But to think that, and, and look, you know what, in probably most cases it doesn't happen, but we've got to look at the reality that it's there to happen. There are some parents that will react impulsively, compulsively, that will say, you know what, I'm getting married again, and I'm going to have this guy adopt my daughter because I can. Every story has a different outcome. Everybody has had a different experience. But we've got to look at the fact that these are wide open for these things to happen. This is why parents are taking their lives or suicide or depressed or emotional wreck because when you have no say in the court, when you are not even recognised, and by the way, before, when you go into court, uh, you, you, you're not even a guardian. So you have to apply for guardianship, which still has no real merit or weight. So you're actually non-existent. So should you not even get into that court, this is where all the real emotional uh, state of minds really happen. And this is where the real damage is because, like I said, my daughter, who I have an incredibly beautiful relationship with, and not because of just the documentary that has always been there, but my love and my fight for her uh, continues on. But, but I'm still in no better position of nine days a month, which I had to work incredibly hard for. But she can still have a new father in the next year too, should that be the situation. And that's where, you know, that kills me deep inside. And I I, I know there are people out there saying, you know, it's all well and good for people to suggest, well, maybe, you know, you and your ex-partner or me and my ex-wife or whatever it happens to be, or whatever it is, should be more amicable with each other around things. But that's easier said than done because unfortunately the system tends to make people angry. And by the way, and look, when relationships break down, you know, people do get angry and people do, you know, they do fight for what they can get. But I suppose you talk about as well that you feel that fathers are guilty until proven innocent and you believe that maybe, maybe is that endemic in the course the family law court system yeah well the, the one thing I picked up very quickly is you know if, if I were going in with a litigation case uh, or anything else for that matter a judge will read and review the case presented in front of them before they come out so they have an idea of who they're dealing with, of the background, the scenario. and, and, and that's Well, at least the they should about. anyway, yes. They should. Well, they should, exactly. But with, with, a, with, with uh, I guess, with family court, they don't. They just go from case to case. Let's put it this way. I went through uh, one court case. I was number 36 on the document. Uh, it started at 10 or 10.30, and I was up in front of the judge before a quarter to 12. That went through 36 fathers uh, who were all there for breach, 
And uh, basically within three minutes, I brought the case forward, but I wasn't even heard and it was over within three minutes. Now that is, that's like... And, and that feeling, I know that feeling when you're standing there and I don't know whether you're the solicitor or a barrister there, which you were or whatever, yeah. and, and you're going, what happened? What does that mean? <laughs> and, 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 and you're standing back outside the courtroom again and is it finished? I mean, have I to go back in again? Is it over? Did something happen there? Am I back in court? And you've no idea what just happened. No, and that's that's the thing. I, it's a little bit like that's what I said. It's it's reality doesn't kick in until it's done and over because it happens so quickly and fast. But these are the lives of parents we're dealing with day in and day out. We don't know the emotional state of somebody coming into court. We certainly don't know the emotional state of when they've left that court. What I can tell you for me, going through lockdown twice, going through my battle, all those court systems did was put me deeper and deeper and deeper into my low state of mindset to the point that your mind starts to take over. And that's when I guess we start to, you know, those things can start to happen. So no, it's over just so quickly. And there's no emotion. That's the thing. Judges or court systems are not emotionally connected or attached. And I get that. We don't want to be emotionally attached to every story, but but they should, should have consideration. Have yeah, because look, they, they, integrity. Absolutely. they're making a decision that it, that's invariably going that's to affect the rest of your life. Um, Absolutely. And, and I don't know, and I've often said this about family law, whether the judges, be it in Smithfield or the four courts or wherever it happens to be in the family law courts or Dolphin House or whatever the district courts, do they understand the impact of their decisions? Do they actually go home and say, geez, that was a nice fella today. I wonder, you know, my decision and how that would affect his life with his daughter or whatever, or with his ex-wife or whatever it is. I wonder, do they understand the impact of their decisions when they're making I think. I've thought about this a lot because I'm kind of on this journey in my life to be the best version of myself. And that's another story. But I have thought, I think, a lot of healthy ways now. And I think, look, judges aren't stupid. We we, we can't keep blaming the system in, in, in every area. Yes, to a certain point. But judges are smart. When we've got two emotional sides attacking one another, they probably look at number one. It's like, Jesus, this is a car crash. What am I going to do? And they make a snapshot decision. Okay, that's number one. But I think on number two, I got what I was told was probably the most I got after my fourth or fifth hearing because the judge is smart enough to realize that actually he is a good dad. He is a good representation. Uh, he's doing his best. So I think it really, in, 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 I guess in one way, they do look at it in a long term. But I think at the same time, on a short term, what they do is they push it out because they don't want to be seeing change in the law too quickly. They don't want to be seeing that if I give this to, let's say, Mr. Bradshaw, then I'm going to have to give it to somebody else. And I think that's the problem here. I think what we have is we need a fresh eyes approach in many ways. I think we have an outdated, flawed system. I think judges are aware and could make the decision, but it's a little bit bold and brave. If I make this decision, what kind of message is that going to send into uh, this crazy world that all these parents are living in at the moment. I think that's a lot of fear on that side. Well, Lee, should the system be more transparent? Because obviously it's in camera, you know, we get statistics on a yearly basis or they may allow reporters in on a yearly basis. And as you know, they only use initials in the court. Um, so, you know, you would be LB. Uh, that's yeah. how you were, you were addressed. But would, they, would it be right to, to maybe lift the in camera or do you think that would have a negative effect? Because then they can get uh, reported on and unfair cases or unfair decisions will get reported on. I think so. And I think that's the thing. I, I, I think I think there is a lot of biased decisions. I think, look, number one, you, you, we, number one, automatically we're going in. Once the, I guess the problem is here is the legislation, the law. It's flawed. It's an outdated system that's gone back how many centuries at this stage. But the problem is it's like, um, you know, 
we are all, I, I'm speaking for me here, by the way, not everybody else, because everybody has a different story. But I can tell you, going in with an automatic disadvantage, which is an unmarried father, automatically stacks up against me. When a separation happens, my child is automatically with the mom until further notice. So it's, I, I, I think there are so many, um, I guess there are so many cases out there. I think if a judge spent X amount of time with each case, they wouldn't get through them fast enough. And I think all we're in is just a system to just keep things moving and ticking. Meanwhile, judges, solicitors, barristers are all making money out of this and they're making it on the expense of the emotional uh, circus that we're all suffering as parents. And I, and I speak for every parent here, not just me as an unmarried father, but it's a psychological warfare a system that is making money that really are not fixing the issues. And the reason, look, courts work for me in many ways, I've got to say, because you made a point a little earlier on, well, we must ask the question, why couldn't they do it amicably beforehand? That has not been through the lack of trying, certainly on my mm. end. This yeah. is what happens when relationships break down because they lose focus on the principle here, which is the child. What they get caught up in is actually, you're this, you're that, I'm not giving you this. And that's yes, the anger and resentment, of course, becomes exactly. part of it. And, and by the way, the system, the system plays into that anger and resentment. Yes, it fuels and feeds the fire because certain like parents have the automatic advantage. And when you have power of authority, that's a pretty powerful position to be in, to play it, to hold out as long as you want. You know, at the end of the day, solicitors and bars do try to negotiate from the very start. But if I'm the one with power of authority, I'm like, nah, you know what? Not today for me. Then mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens. So this is where it's really unfair. I think a lot of amicable approaches or could be dealt with faster if we had a level playing field because it means now nobody has authority over me or power and i think that would really put manners into the system very quickly from all sides it's a very unfair unbalanced position to be in and that is the battle you're up against first so it's discriminatory from from the moment you start uh it's disadvantaged and you've got to go through an emotional roller coaster because you are trying to hold your Q's, your P's, your T's, dot your I's to be as well presented as possible while mud is being flung and while the system is not listening to you because, you know, today's Friday or Wednesday, I've got to go home, so I'll give you three minutes. This is where it's it's completely imbalanced. Okay. And, and you also spoke about the, the mental health aspect of it. I, I can absolutely understand that. And from my, yeah. from my point of view, what it was when the family breaks down and you've got children in a nice home and everything just suddenly collapses one day, that it's a, like a grieving process. It's not that you miss your ex-wife or whatever no. it is or you want that relationship back, but you've lost your family. And you've lost, your, you know, you're going to be out of the family home, as you rightly said as well. And you have to find somewhere to live. So there's a whole grieving process where you're losing stability in your life. And you're thinking of the future, that, you know, that lovely future you had thought of, of, you know, your daughter getting married and bringing the grandkids back to the house and the nice family. That that whole idea in your head is gone suddenly and all taken away. So explain to me what the mental health you know, and how you manage that through such a difficult time. So I set up what I'm doing now is called 769 Camino, the Fight for Your Life campaign, where I'm going to run 769 kilometres. Uh, I, I had to make a decision uh, my fight for your life campaign, the fight begins with you. And I had to work this out for myself. We can go in bruised, battered. We can have a flawed mindset. We can be angry. We can be bitter, twisted. But it ain't going to beat the fight for you. The fight begins with you. And that's to get yourself mentally and physically into the best state possible. Because when you are mentally and physically prepared, you start to think differently, act differently, behave differently. To the point you find a peace, calm and balance inside. So I went to the stage of, and I haven't said this before, so today is the day that I, I you know, I'll say it. I, I had planned on 
taking my life. It was planned. It was in the pipeline. I felt so helplessness. I, I, everything was against me. And I had taken bikes to my daughter. I set up everything, took her to see her last dance, and I found Pam. But that's where the, that's where when you think you've found happiness in Cam and the world is better, it's really not better without you. Your child no, needs not. both parents. And something, I don't know how or why, I changed my nutrition. I started to change what I listened to in my ears. I changed friends. I changed, I started to change things that I knew no longer contributed uh, in a positive way to my life. And I had to battle me. Nobody can help you out there but you. So I had to look at me versus me. I started with how I, you know, my nutrition. I remember my first, my first runs and all. I couldn't even run 200 meters. I was so badly out of shape. And when I started running and running more and running more, I keep getting back up, keep getting back up. But I was crying. I was mentally broken. I was distraught. Nobody knows the pain I went through because I dealt with it alone. And over time, a year and a half into my journey, I'm in, in the most incredible headspace. I have the same battles as everybody else, but the difference is I took control of my thought process. I took it, I took control of the way that I think. I took control of how I react, how I respond. And when you get to that space of mind, like I would have been so skeptical a year and a half ago or even up to Christmas of thinking this way, but it's incredibly powerful when you can actually beat you. When you beat you, then you can literally change and transform the quality of mm-hmm. the life that you live in. The quality of your emotions is the quality of the reality that you live in. It took me a long time to get on that, but 40% of our daily habits are habitual. And if we live in a really dull, uh, poor quality mindset, lifestyle, then that's how we live Thinking negatively but, all the time. And, and again, I was in a similar situation where I wanted to get negative people out of my life. People who kind of put me, put, well, not put me in a bad humour, but kept telling me all the bad stuff about the whole thing. So I, I kind of distanced myself from a lot of people because of that. And I think, you know, I went through a kind of four and a half year process, similar to yourself. I went through a long process too. And I think you're, you feel like at that time, I, I was a very focused person, but suddenly I felt out of control in your own life and you feel like you're being carried along. And it's a terrible, terrible feeling until you get back to where you should be, which is in control of your own life again. Yeah, I, it, you know what? It's getting control of your mind first because actually it's the mind, right? Listen, I because I, I, I can tell you, I was not supposed to be here this year. So I can tell you, sometimes we, we talk about the company you keep, but the company you keep in your mindset is the most dangerous. So if you're not fueling yourself right, eating right, thinking right, uh, if you're not hanging around with the right, I guess, influences, it can pull you down and pull you under faster than anything else. So getting control of your mind actually dictates uh, the quality of your life then. Because like the body, like what I kind of found out through my journey is the body can start running and then it stops because the mind is emotionally broken. But when you get that mindset so strong, the focus, the want to live, the happiness, the joy, the peace, the calm, that body gets stronger and stronger. So we, we tend to, I, you know, a lot of groups will talk about getting out and walking. But for me, it's about also building your mind as well. You've got to train your mind the way you train your body. And that to me took about, I remember what I stopped doing is I stopped listening to music on my runs because they would trigger emotions and emotions would break me. So I started changing the different sort of what I listened to in my ears that start to empower me. And it's like a habit, 21 days to break a habit, 21 days to introduce a new one. Every day that I didn't want to keep get back up showing up, I kept getting back up because my daughter, let's remove everything else out of this. I want my daughter to have the best version of me. And when I am in the best shape of my life, mentally, physically, my daughter is only going to grow 
uh, amazingly from this. She's not going to know any negative sides of me or depressed sides. Uh, she'll never know what it is to be uh, flawed. My focus is 100%. And that's why I'm on this journey for the 769 Camino Fight for Your Life, because I'm going to get out and I'm going to show that I have been where you once were. But by battling this with a dignified, respectful way mm. and working on you, that to me is the victory. Because we can still we can still win this battle, we can still get our nine days, we can still get our twenty, but we can still be emotionally broken inside. If we don't get on top of that, it doesn't matter what the courts give us, it doesn't matter what we've earned and learned, we're still broken inside. So you've got to get on top of yourself regardless. I'm looking at there's a lot of people by the way texting in um obviously congratulating you and get back okay. to the right place and obviously uh, obviously you know sympathizing with the situation that you were in I'm very sorry to hear you were in that situation as many men have been and I'm sure there are women out there who've been through the family law system who've been in that situation very depressed absolutely and at the cusp of taking their own life and thankfully you didn't uh, and you're with us today but look if people want to support you by the way and I wasn't aware of the uh, the run you were doing the the, uh, the fight for your life if people want to support you on that can they Absolutely. If people want to join, this is why I'm campaigning. I've helped me and now I want to share it with everybody else. People are suffering. The last two years of lockdown, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is. We're all suffering. The one thing I, now that I've become very connected with myself, I can start to identify people's highs, lows, ups, downs. So on Facebook at the moment, I've set up a, a campaign. It's called 769 Camino. You just have to put in the number seven. Nine Camino, you'll start to see some of my journey. On my own personal page, I've been documenting for the last 10 months, but I decided to put it into a page to actively help people out there, not just to help them improve their quality of life through the trans, I guess, transformation through the physical health, but it's their mental health. It's get on top of that. And then next year, a year from now, uh, then my journey is I take people on a journey and then together we'll take on 769 kilometers of the Camino. Now, I'm personally going to do the ultra marathon, but I've broken it down that people can either do 200, 400, 600, 8, or, or the 769. And the whole thought about this was by me and us helping you become the best version of yourself, then we will raise money for a charity to help those who need that support as well. And that's why now for me, 769 Camino, it's a personal journey. Okay. It's something dedicated to my daughter. And on that journey, myself and my daughter are going to help other people out there that are going through what I have gone through. But I can tell you guys, get on top of your mental health, get on top of your physical health, surround yourself with positive people, people who want to do something and change the world literally and get out and do it together because we really can. It's there for the taking. So many people are supporting the, the equality right that we all should have. We should all be parents with our kids. Well, absolutely. Just, the law, well, the law should be there for everybody and that's what it's meant to be there for. By the way, lots of texts coming in, by the way. Somebody says, I sympathise with your caller. He's dead, right? Family law. The family law courts are an emotional circus. Uh, another person says, I really needed to hear him today about having a stronger mind. I needed to hear that. So obviously somebody in a difficult place at the moment Thank you. needs a bit of help. Uh, well done to that guy. He's an amazing man and a great talker. Another person says, what an absolutely amazing guy. Please wish him well. I'm listening to your show and looking at Thank his you. page on Facebook. I might even sign up to the 769 Camino Please, yeah. uh, and by the way the, in relation to the documentary of course the documentary which is called Fatherly um, now yeah. as I, you mentioned already it features in the New York City Independent Film Festival and after winning the Royal Television Society Award where can they see it or where can people see the documentary so I guess right now you know I cannot wait for this to be released into the public because this is a wonderful thing it's not an attack piece it, I think everybody will really understand uh, emotionally once they watch it but right now this weekend um, it's in the Newport Beach Film Festival it's been doing this again, I got to say to Karen Pristle, thank you so much because this was a college 
piece that has actually now found a global audience. And this is so powerful. So right now, just currently, it is doing the rounds because I guess the law, I guess the rules are these, um, I guess these festivals get to view it first before it's released. Of course, publicly, yeah. But I'm hoping after Newport Beach Film Festival, which is this, one of the biggest festivals in the world, by the way, and out of, I think, 49, 50 countries uh, that have entered, we were chosen an Irish uh, short film. So this is, I guess, in the next couple of weeks, it'll be down to Karen, it'll be down to a few other people who will make that next decision. I'm just very blessed to be part of it, that Karen chose me and my story and my daughters. And hopefully and, uh, RTE or Virgin Media One or somebody will pick it up and show us publicly. Well, we I think all... they will, because we yeah. believe RTE chose it as the winner for the World Television Society Awards. So, which means, tells me that this is, this is definitely a documentary that is being ready and geared up and will be launched and released. I guess just let's let it win its awards first. Let's get its global recognition and then we have something. And let's get the powerful. message out as well. The message Absolutely, out there. In a positive way. We all need to be more positive. And if you're going through a tough time currently at the moment, which many people texting in are uh, trying to get access to children, or maybe you're in a, a relationship and you're not actually married and you don't have those rights that Lee talked about. And of course, we talked to the Labour Party yesterday about that new bill that's going to the doll that will give people rights, people likely uh, the rights to actually uh, have guardianship over their own children just because they're not married. Uh, um, and I'm just, there's loads and loads of texts coming in here. Yeah, I could read them all out, but I'd be here all day. Wow, but listen, you're wow. a brilliant speaker, great talker. Thank you for having me, Niall. I really appreciate it. And everybody, if, if anybody is out there really is struggling mentally, physically, please get on to the 769 community. That's what we're here to do. Let's raise awareness in a healthy, positive way. Uh, that works for everybody in the family. Okay, I'll put a link. If we want to go to my Twitter account, Niall Boylan or Niall Boylan Show, if you go to my Twitter account, Ashton has just put a link up to it there on Facebook and you can go to it from there. All You're right? so good. Thank all you, right. Niall. Have thanks, a All right, Lee, thank you. There you go, Lee Bradshaw. What a wonderful story. When I say what a wonderful story, there's a wonderful message in it. And the message is if you keep trying and trying and trying, you'll eventually get it. And he's a very positive thinking now considering he was in a situation where he mentioned already that at one point he was actually going to take his own life. And that's how difficult family law is. And he's right. Family laws pits people against each other because it's a legal system and the legal system is who's going to win. That's, that's, isn't that always the way the legal system pits people against each other? There has to be a winner and a loser, isn't there? Uh, it's, not a, it's not a fair system. And you have a disadvantage not only by not being married, as Lee pointed out, he has a disadvantage because he wasn't married, um, uh, even though his name was on the birth cert, Charles birth cert, but you also have a disadvantage just being a male. And that's just a fact. And I know there are females out there that might argue and say, oh, well, I didn't get a fair deal. Well and good, you didn't get a fair deal. But generally speaking, when you look at the system and the way the system works, it's stacked against men. By default, women are the primary carers. Uh, and it's stacked against men. If you're going to get, somebody's going to get chucked out of a house, most likely it's going to be the man. Even though everything else is equal, most likely the man will be the one chucked out of his own home. A home that he had built for years and years and years. And he finds himself in a situation where he's looking at four walls and a room somewhere after spending his whole life building a home, doing whatever it is. Anyway. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.